Hello there, you Awakening Wonders on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you download your podcasts. We really appreciate you, our listeners, and want to bring you more content. We will be delivering a podcast every day, seven days a week. Every single day, you'll get a detailed breakdown of current topics that the mainstream media should be covering. But if they are covering, they're amplifying establishment messages and not telling you the truth. Once a week, we bring you in-depth conversations with guests like Jordan Peterson, RFK Jr., Sam Harris, Vandana Shiva, Gabor Mate, and many more. Now enjoy this episode of Stay Free with Russell Brand. Remember, there's an episode every single day to educate and elevate our consciousness together. Stay free and enjoy the episode. Hello there, you Awakening Wonders. Thanks for joining us on our voyage to truth and freedom. You will have seen perhaps Brett Weinstein on Tucker talking about how many people potentially died as a result of recent medical interventionism during the pandemic period. Indeed, we reported on that data capture from New Zealand that revealed that the figures could be as high as 17 million. Now, these are purely speculative figures at this stage, and I wouldn't like to posit anything other than that. But certainly we know that adverse events are extremely high. Certainly we know that reporting has been deliberately obfuscating and confusing around this matter. One thing that's for sure is that Pfizer and their CEO, Albert Baller, are pretty confident that there's going to be a turbo cancer explosion all around the world. And guess what? There has been recently, and this is a fact, an extraordinary and unprecedented rise of cancer in young people. And scientists are baffled as to what could be causing it. I wonder if it's comparable to the recent rise in heart disease around the world. Now, if you want to see us speaking about this more plainly, join our movement details below. But let's get into this story now. First of all, by looking at Brett Weinstein talking to Tucker, then we're going to look at Baller betting that turbo cancers are going to explode around the world. And you know, when Baller makes a moonshot, Baller hits the moon. He's like some sort of Bond villain. When that guy says, I'm going to hit the moon, there's going to be some new craters up there. So let's watch out for that. We'll also be looking at this extraordinary rise in cancer in young people and seeing if there's any connection between that. And, oh, I don't know, would you become more suspicious if you found out, for example, that the makers of mRNA vaccines had indemnity from legal prosecution? That would be an interesting piece of evidence as well, wouldn't it? First of all, let's start with Brett Weinstein talking to Tucker about the potential number of deaths from recent medical interventions. I was recently at a conference uh, in Romania on the COVID crisis. And so there was a lot of work trying to unpack what we actually understand. And I love Brett Weinstein. He always looks a little bit down, doesn't he? Like I feel like Brett Weinstein, even if he was giving you a birthday gift, he would still be a bit down. Heather and I have bought you this book token. You probably don't want it. Listen, I'll throw it in the bin. No, no, I like it. No, it's not good enough. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done it. I saw a credible estimate of something like 17 million deaths globally from this technology. So 17 million deaths from the COVID vax? Those figures line up with what Steve Kirsch said when he was on our show pertaining to the New Zealand data breach, which obviously the legacy media are not reporting on. And as a side note, Tucker's done his hair slightly differently. Well, when you know, when you scale up to billions, uh, it's not hard to reach a number like that with a technology this dangerous. People's willingness to accept the erosion of their rights because of a public health emergency um, has allowed this tyranny to to use it as a Trojan horse. It's something people need to become aware of. There are a number of features of our environment. Basically, they are blind spots that we can't see past. Vaccine was one. And I know I was an, an enthusiast about vaccines. I still believe deeply in 
the elegance of vaccines as they should exist. But I'm now very alarmed at how they are produced, and I'm even more alarmed at what has been called a vaccine that doesn't meet the definition. Because many of us believe that vaccines uh, were an extremely elegant, low-harm, high-efficacy uh, method of preventing disease, when they called this mRNA tech technology a vaccine, many of us um, gave it more credibility than we should have. When you see legacy media reporting on figures like Brett Weinstein and indeed the perspectives of people like Brett, it's always astonishing to actually see them and how diffident and considered and scientific and gentle they are. Because of course in legacy media, they're talked about as like hysterical, hyperbolic. What this type of media has revealed to us is there are a variety of perspectives that have to be condemned as hysterical because otherwise they seem completely reasonable. What he's saying there is that he has all manner of respect for vaccine technology, but what happened in the last couple of years was an intervention that used the word vaccine as a kind of veil to mask what they actually were. And all of you guys, let me know in the chat in the comments, commonly use phrases like experimental technology and stuff like that. And clearly, that's a pretty valid perspective. If they had called it uh, a, a gene transfection technology, we would have thought, wait, what? You know, that that's that sounds highly novel and it sounds dangerous. And how much do we know about long-term implications. Also, we know that there was so much marketing pumped into vaccines. You saw all of the musical numbers, the government campaigns. They didn't just plainly and pragmatically say, listen, this is a new technology that we have, give it a whirl. You know, it was extraordinary, bombastic, distracting. In fact, all of the evangelism, hysteria and zeal exists on the apparently rational side of the argument, where the counter-narratives, those that are inquiring, those that might refer to ourselves as the resistance, are a variety of characters, but many of them involve highly rational, quite calm individuals like Brett there. But because they called it a vaccine, people were much readily, much more willing to, to accept it. But before we get into Albert Baller's new moonshot, turbo cancers here at last, let's first examine whether or not pharmaceutical companies are opportunistic and would see crises as a great chance to make money, explore new techniques, or even create market conditions that would otherwise be inconceivable. Ultimately, the uh, the mRNA vaccines uh, are an example for that uh, cell and gene therapy. I always like to say, if we had surveyed two years ago, uh, in the public, would you be willing to take a uh, uh, gene, th gene or cell therapy and inject it into your body? We would have probably had a 95% refusal rate. What if we were to terrify you for a couple of years? Would you consider it then? Oh, I suppose I'm terrified. And what if we shamed you? Oh, yes, yeah, shame. I wouldn't like that. And we lock you in your home, of course. All right, I'll take your damn product. I think uh, this pandemic has also opened many people's eyes to. Yes, it's suddenly opened a lot of people's eyes. That's part of the problem, isn't it? They went too far. They overplayed their hand. Many people's eyes are opening. To innovation in the way that uh, was maybe not possible before. Okay, so we've seen now Weinstein's claim that the vaccine wasn't even really a vaccine. We've seen people from within the industry saying it was extraordinary and admitting that they were opportunistic in their approach to this. Now, let's get into Pfizer's new moonshot, turbo cancers. Many of you will know that it's an accepted, even sort of quasi-mainstream media critique that Pfizer aren't an innovative pharmacological company where scientists are in laboratories doing all sorts of experiments. This is me being a scientist. Come on, get eight mouses, splash that one. Oh my God, my eyes. No, Pfizer operate more like a venture capitalist organization. In this case, buying up a smaller company that's been working on medications for turbo cancers. They've recently paid over the odds $43 billion for a company that has a $2 billion a year turnover, which seems to suggest that Albert Baller and Pfizer think that 
turbo cancers are going to be a big thing in the future. Why would they think that? What's the evidence? What is that prognosis, dark as it may be for the rest of us, based on? Well, cancer is seemingly on the rise, and we'll be telling you a little bit more about that in young people. We've already seen excess sudden deaths. We've seen myocarditis, pericarditis, unexplained heart attacks, collapsing. Now it seems that there's a rise of cancer. What's happened lately? What could be causing this mysterious flare-up in all sorts of diseases? Let me know in the comments and chat. Here, though, is Albert Baller talking about his new moonshot. And I like the way they keep continually selling this as if he's some sort of brilliant, genius entrepreneur rather than a person who appears to be exploiting misery for money. Lastly, what is Pfizer's next moonshot and how do you expect to get there? She's not even that into it, is she? What is Pfizer's next moonshot? Come on, get into it! This is a moonshot! Where we put all our efforts, because again, based on the discussion we have for strategy, mm. we think we have the capabilities to make a difference and there is a huge need. Gotta help people, gotta help them. From the world to see a difference is uh, cancer. It's all about oncology. Disproportionately, we are investing capital over there. It's weird this event and events like this, isn't it? Like something going on at Oxford University, plainly about economics, talking about cancer from the perspective of profit. Many of you, of course, statistically, have had cancer or know people that have had cancer. And to hear it just spoken about in terms of a business opportunity is kind of a little jarring, but that is the world we live in. Again, the pandemic period was revelatory. It revealed things that were always present up until the pandemic. Normal anti-establishment folk used to just not trust Pfizer and because of like stuff like Purdue Pharma and the opioid crisis and the Sackler family and the numerous times that Pfizer have made massive settlements out of court. But suddenly, during the pandemic period, they got sort of reframed as kind of the Avengers, sometimes literally using the Avengers in some of their promos. Why are academia, the corporate world, and pharmacology all teaming together to present disease as a kind of business opportunity? Well, because that's the reality of the world we live in. But has something extraordinary happened in the last few years to make people more sick, or keep people sick, or just to treat the world as one big marketplace of Barbary pal, sick, insipid people that just eat dreadful food and then have to make ourselves better using moon juice spurted out from Baller. Sort of made myself feel a bit sick there. And this proposal, we are organizing our, our uh, the whole organization to, to make sure that this area is uh, well, well equipped to be successful. Cancer. That's the new moonshot. Okay, let's have a look at some of the financial details around Baller's investment. He said there that the next moonshot is cancer. Let's have a look at where Pfizer put their money where your cancer is. Pfizer stunned the medical world, completing the $43 billion acquisition of Segan, a small drug company that treats turbo cancers and barely makes $2 billion per year. We're struggling to get by, sir, on barely $2 billion a year. What day is it? It's Christmas Day, of course. Sir, run down there and get me your finest goose and some drugs for turbo cancers. They're going to be big this year. The acquisition means Pfizer becomes the largest oncology company in the world, capable of treating most turbo cancers. Are we all going to be getting turbo cancer? Do not leave your home for six months, otherwise you will get turbo cancer. Wear a mask, put on a hat, shut your mouth, otherwise it's turbo cancer for you. Merry Christmas. However, the nature of the acquisition has left many people scratching their heads. 
Probably one of the symptoms of turbo cancer. Why would Pfizer flush with the enormous profits it has reaped through its mRNA vaccine? Brett Weinstein would say it shouldn't be called a vaccine. Overpay $43 billion for a small cancer drug company. Pfizer does not need the cash. It will also issue $31 billion in debt just to purchase Sagan. So that's extraordinary. Pfizer are backing the idea that turbo cancers are about to become extremely profitable to the tune of $43 billion. That's an interesting move because ultimately that's the bottom line. That's what we can read. Remember, our most reliable information with regard to excess deaths came not from the medical establishment, but from insurance companies who were like, we can't keep insuring people. They keep dying for no reason all of a sudden. So money matters, particularly when trying to get some verifiable data to make analysis from. But it gets even worse. Pfizer CEO Albert Baller did a media interview tour about the $43 billion Sagan acquisition. Here are the key takeaways from his interviews. 33 percent of people will get turbo cancer in the future of this is certain you're not getting turbo cancer you're not getting turbo cancer you know you're not gonna lose your job you're not gonna lose your job you know you're not gonna lose your job entire families will be affected again he's certain the new cancer treatments are like missiles that will target most turbo cancers once again we see the militaristic language deployed that we became familiar with during the pandemic period how it had to be framed as a war do you remember that kind of the amount of effort that went into that do your part do your bit this is kind of like our war at the beginning at the fun bit of the pandemic do you remember the fun bit oh we're all staying indoors and there were sort of songs and memes and stuff like that the language that's used around these things is interesting and potentially revealing. Pfizer will produce them at a scale that has never been seen before. Oh, that's weird. Almost like they've recently had practice in setting up operations where they can issue drugs at an unprecedented level. How extraordinary. Almost like in our country, the UK, Moderna were given taxpayer money to set up factories to continue to create medications for pandemics that aren't currently here. Although there's a WHO treaty coming to a country near you, ensuring that you will pay for future pandemics. By 2025, Pfizer will have a global network. Network. We have a very quick way of completing clinical trials. Does that involve using minimal number of mouses to reach very profitable conclusions? How did you get access to the labs? Well, I don't know. I just followed some of the bats as they flattered in through your open air vents. Will be produced at scale, just like mRNA. Like they're using that as if that's like this is a sequel, as if that was something we we're all pleased with. Remember the success of mRNA? Well, I've got some questions. Well, it's even better because this time it's cancer. Think about what Baller is telegraphing with this information. Why would any company need to produce cancer treatments at a scale never before seen? Why would Pfizer, of all companies, be willing to bet tens of billions of dollars on turbo cancer continuing to explode at exponential rates around the world in coming years? Seeking alpha analysis theorizes it's going to take Pfizer at least a decade just to break even from this deal. Financially, this $43 billion acquisition makes no sense for Pfizer unless Baller knows something about the future. They're not telling us. But remember, what we're looking for here is a connection between Brett Weinstein saying that many more people people than has been surmised have died as a result of those medications and Albert Baller's latest investment. Let's have a look at the Florida Surgeon General talking about potential risks of the vaccines before looking to see whether or not there has been a rise in cancer in young people. There has been a rise. Let's have a look. It's also developing right now. Florida Surgeon General says for us to stop getting the COVID vaccine. Fox 35's Hannah McKinsey is joining us live in the Alert Center tonight. So Hannah, he says what's in the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines is
is a problem. Yeah, Luann, John, Florida Surgeon General Dr. Ladipo says he has safety concerns pertaining to the discovery of billions of DNA fragments found per dose in the Pfizer and Moderna COVID vaccines. And he says those concerns have not been addressed by the FDA or the CDC. Dr. Ladipo says if the risks of DNA integration with COVID vaccines cannot be addressed, then the vaccines aren't appropriate for use in humans. But that only applies to humans, so it's not all bad because the mouses, they're presumably fine. Excuse me. He says he sent letters to the heads of the FDA and the CDC specifically questioning how this was impact humans in three main areas. Healthy human genes being transformed into cancerous cells. Oh, so it could cause cancer then, I suppose. And would it cause those cancers slowly or quickly? Well, quite quickly. Turbo speed. Yeah, turbo cancers, yeah, you could call them that. Chromosomal instability and how the integration could affect unintended parts of the body, such as the heart, brain, lungs, even the injection site itself. But before we get too cynical, have we heard of any heart issues in people that have been vaccinated? Oh. Although it was initially dismissed as a conspiracy theory, we now know that many vaccine-like products do affect the heart. But cancers? Albert Baller certainly seems to believe a lot of people are going to be getting cancer soon. But is there any evidence because I like to follow the science all the way to the tumor. Among younger people, it says more people are getting colorectal cancer and more people are dying from it. While the cause of the uptick is not clear, doctors say they do have theories about what may be driving the rise. Our George Stephanopoulos has more. Doctors are sounding the alarm about cancer diagnoses on the rise in people younger than 50. And maybe the scariest thing about that is that we actually don't know what is driving this uptick. Colorectal cancer is just one of the several common cancers on the rise in young adults under 50 in the past 20 years. A new report from the American Cancer Society anticipates 153,000 new colorectal cancer cases this year and about 52,000 deaths. 60% of new cases are advanced stage disease, and rates are increasing among younger people. Shockingly, one in five people who will be diagnosed presently are younger than 55 years of age, which is quite young for colorectal cancer. Doctors aren't sure what's driving that trend, but say more than half of colorectal cancers are attributed to factors under your control, like diet, exercise, and smoking. It's your fault that you got cancer, and if Albert Borla makes some money out of that, that's none of your business. Although, you did fund the research and development for many of the products that have made Pfizer so rich in the first place. It's your fault. So there you have it, a story in which it becomes clear that more people appear to have died than is being publicly acknowledged as a result of medical administrations in the last couple of years. Information that is suppressed about myocarditis, pericarditis, and other heart conditions is now entering the mainstream. We're seeing Albert Baller and Pfizer investing heavily in turbo cancers and elsewhere we're seeing cancer on the rise. A cynical, skeptical, analytical and discerning person might think that there's some connection between all these phenomena. A drug that was introduced to the marketplace without significant or even sufficient trialing has potential side effects that we're still learning about. I don't make any hysterical assumptions or random or ridiculous connections but it seems to me the way that this has been handled, the way this has been reported 
on. The way that information has been controlled, repressed, obfuscated, diluted, misrepresented. It seems to me that all of us would do well to remain very, very discerning, awake and aware when it comes to the business dealings of pharmaceutical giants globally. If Albert Baller thinks that turbo cancers are going to be on the rise and cancer more generally is on the rise in young people, I think it's appropriate to stay awake and alert and be very, very careful what medications you take because some of the consequences and side effects could be literally fatal. But that's just what I think. More important than any of that, if you can, please stay free. <laughs> No, here's the fucking news.